Sonic States. Coming up on Sonic Talk 233, the 11-foot-tall iPod dot from Jean-Michel Jarre, Native Instruments Machine Micro, Blondie's Heart of Glass multi-track dissection, Edge Sound's Drum Machine DVD, and the Vocaloid Phenomenon. Sonic Talk is brought to you by Yamaha UK. Check out yamahasynth.com and yamahadownload.com and please take a look at the micro pocket track recorders, the W24, which features wireless operation, and the C24, both 24-bit 96K, very, very small handheld pocket recorders. And by Mac Pro Video. For the largest selection of software video tutorials on the web, please check out sonicstate.com forward slash MPV and save 20% on all downloads. That's sonicstate.com MPV. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 233. Uh, we are recording live and direct at 4 p.m. Wednesday, sonicstate.com forward slash live. That's UK time where you can see a live stream and a live chat. I heartily recommend that you come and join us as uh, it's a lot of fun and... Uh, we get to, the, the chat room gets to exercise its huge, supermassive turbo brain and inform us of things that we cannot bring to mind directly. So uh, please join us. It's, it's always great fun. Anyway, I will now uh, introduce our guests. Uh, I'm very pleased to have in the studio today, Mr. Gaz Williams uh, from uh, songsurgeon.co.uk. How are you doing, Gaz? Yep, really good. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for coming over. On the train today, no, no car, no, no car park kind of three uh, G business. No, but I did uh, get on the train in the wrong direction, um, and actually <laughs> caught. Had to catch a train back again, so that was a bit foolish. Sorry, and I, wa- I wasn't going to mention that. Ah, okay. But the reason was entirely down to me playing with my new iPad and being distracted whilst uh, sort of. Um, actually, what it was was I kind of reached Temple Meads and then went back the same way that I just come. I thought I was. I thought it was a direct train, but it actually was meant to change. I'm just ah, <laughs> oops. Yeah, but, and I went lost. Yeah, but I was so not looking out the window because I was looking at the iPad that I didn't notice. I went past the station that I just got on on and just went another three stops down the line, thinking, "Come on, must be in Bath by now." Um, yeah, this is only a couple of stops. <laughs> oh, I feel for you. Yes. I feel for you. But uh, thanks for joining us, songsurgeon.co.uk. And now to my Skype participants. There we have them in their full glory. Uh, on the left, there we have Dave Spears from G4. Software.com. Hello. The new G4Software.com. Uh, we had Dave on last week as a uh, solo guest who was very kind to come on. And, uh, uh, now, is, is everything all beautiful and, and working? I did put a link up to your lovely uh, Chamberlain video, uh, which was great, actually. Ah, uh, yeah, cool. It is. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it no, is I, great. Super. Finally, I had, I was able to get him out. I, did these I know, I was looking, ago. I said, uh, posted over a year ago, views, 97, and I was thinking, oh, that's, that's funny, that's not, you don't usually see that, I bet it's gone up a bit now, though. Yeah, I think so, yeah, no, but brilliant, and yeah, science seems to all be being received well, and Imposter 2 PC version is out as well, oh, and I've got grand. to send, actually, a special thanks to um, it's LaGrange Audio, Jason, in, uh, who's sometimes in the chat room, I know. I think he's there today, really I just did. saw him. Or I'm not in there, unfortunately. Um, who really helped me over the weekend a lot, actually. So thank you very much and good vibes for today. So yes, thank you. That's well, thanks. good. I, I, that's probably why you are looking so much more relaxed and uh, and less less stressed out than less in pain last week. I think I gather well, all that's coming together. <laughs> end end of this week, I think you know we should cross some hurdles. But this is you know this whole thing, the Chamberlain stuff, the Imposca, it's just, and the new site has just been. Yeah, a lot. We've been working for years to try and dovetail this together. So, yes. 
it's oh, it's a big thing for us. In fact, there is Lagrange. I think he's going past. My pleasure, he says in the chat room. So there you go. Uh, oh, brilliant. And also, we have to your uh, to your what do you be? That would be to your left, wouldn't it, Mister Rich Hilton, globe the globe trotting Rich Hilton. How are you, Rich? You're back from uh, from well Cancun, I think. Like Cancun, you were on route to last time. Uh, close, close, close. Oh, where was? You're it? almost in the same hemisphere. Oh, <laughs> where have you been then? <laughs> uh, we were in Curacao. Ah. Which is like a little piece that broke off the top of uh, Venezuela. Is that where they make the uh, the legendary blue Curacao? It is. It is. In fact, I understand that there is more than one color of this stuff. But uh, And there's a factory tour, but I didn't get to see it. I wonder what they make it out of. I don't know. Parrot beans. I don't know. <laughs> the, the good vibes of those people there so did you have a good time you did a gig right that was a chic gig i should mention of course hiltonius uh, producer engineer member of the uh, chic disco band and uh, studio guy in nile rogers uh, personal studio working on all sorts of high level projects all the time <laughs> how was the gig the gig was good um it was blazing hot all day i mean the temperature during sound check was measured at 108 fahrenheit wow but and the onstage temperature that night was not all that much cooler than that. But uh, no. other than it being incredibly hot, it was a great gig, a wonderful audience. We had a blast. They did too. And uh, I had my family there, and that was extra special for me. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, oh, super! All, so does the gear, does the gear did the gear hold up? I mean, talking 108 degrees, that's kind of yeah. got to be getting towards the end of, you know, the, the edge of what certain things. Certainly, you wouldn't have that trouble if you were using a, a, a teenage engineering OP1, of course, as that goes up to 80 degrees centigrade. But yeah. um, I imagine there are well, some I things. Well, I don't have that trouble with this gear either. And if you want me to go down the road of they don't sponsor the show, <laughs> I have found that these rolling keyboards are unbelievably resilient in weather conditions. Um, I once played a blizzard in Croatia. And the thing was literally like underwater. I was mopping it off three times a song. Oh man, couldn't see and, the uh, couldn't see the black keys. <laughs> and it played for an hour and a half with no problems. Wow. And apparently, uh, one of the two lasted all night long, and the other one failed some hours later. Wow. But, uh, Impressive. The uh, and and then for the heat, yeah, I've never had one. You know, seize up on heat. Because by the nighttime, the sun isn't shining on it anymore, and I think that makes a big right, difference. Right, so it's ambient temperature it, rather than, yeah, yeah, I got you. I got so you. how it dissipates the heat is probably improved because the sun is not beating on it. Well, anyway, thank you very much for joining us. And I, you're only here for a little while, right? You're going off on another gig, uh, gig I believe. Uh, to, well, L to London, possibly? We could talk about this later, yeah, but I'm leaving tomorrow night for London and uh, doing a little visiting on Friday, so maybe we can talk about that later. Coolio. Right then, um, have I said hello to everybody? I think I have, haven't I? Uh, yeah. Oh gosh, I, 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 I'm, I'm flummoxed. <laughs> I don't know why. It always, always happens this way. <laughs> um, right then, um, so let me see. What did we, uh, what did we actually start with? Uh, oh, I think um, there, was, there was something interesting. Well, sort of interesting. Oh, not that. <laughs> what do you think of this? That's what I was looking at. The world's tallest iPod dock is 11 feet tall, costs 565 grand, stereo system and ladder included. And that's uh, by uh, Mr. Jar, or Jar.com. And I'm guessing it's a kind of, uh, some sort of a, well, it's, uh, shall we say, some sort of PR stunt, because they do make a much cheaper uh, kind of 
tower that you don't have to get up a ladder. It does seem like an incredibly poor piece of design <laughs> if you have to climb up a ladder to change the songs. <laughs> Particular, and, and I don't know if Mr. Jar is particularly short, but I, I don't know if that's it's a joke of some kind. I'm not sure. But uh, I, uh, this was via the Mac Doctor. And it wasn't really kind of, yeah, obviously it's a pointless thing. It's more to do with the idea of, you know, what have you... Have you ever bought something thinking it would be great and it's been totally pointless? Think it was a major luxury mm. and you just sort of go, well, in the studio, I'm kind of thinking, yeah, I really need that. That's going to make a massive difference. And you get it and you just think, what was I thinking? What a complete waste of money. Yep. We must have all had a, had one of those experiences. I think I'd go to Gaz because Gaz was uh, nodding along there yeah, <laughs> very, very I'm, happily. I'm, I'm afraid to say it was an Eigenhaar Pico for me, really, in that it, it it's... You know, there's some really good aspects about it, and I think the the, the, the you know for uh, the Eigenharp comes in various sizes, and uh, I think the full one would be good if you could invest years into learning <laughs> it, you know. But I think the little one, you know, which has kind of got a lot of the shared technology, like the keys are actually really excellent. But I think the form factor and just the fact that it was very, very difficult to... I just couldn't use it. I mean, I had it for a year, and I just tried to use it in musical projects, and I just couldn't use it. I mean, right. So I'm sorry. I haven't heard much from them recently. Mm. Are, they, are they doing anything else? I haven't seen any promo or stuff. I don't know mm. whether... I mean, I'm sure they're still going. I just haven't uh, yeah. haven't heard any, had any news or anything sent out, so I'm not quite sure what the yeah. status is. No, I've, I've, I haven't been following them so much now. But, I mean, yeah, I wish them well, and I think the big product is, the, is what they really put the effort into. Uh, the Alpha, um, and I think the Pico was just like, as I say, an, an introduction to it. But ultimately, it was quite expensive and wasn't very useful. I've got Sorry. one. I've got one on the shelf in the other room, which right. I was waiting for the software to catch up so I could review it. And it yeah. just sort of feels like they never really got back to me to say, "Yeah, it's ready now." Mm. So I should probably send that back because I haven't opened the box for a while. Rich, I noticed you were nodding quite profusely during that uh, last statement about uh, ever bought anything. What's, what's I mean, f- first of all, I guess this kind of thing would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? The jar thing, but uh, have you have you have you done the dodo thing? Oh, that was a big mistake. Well, first of all, as regarding jars, oversized Dyson vacuum cleaner, um, <laughs> uh, I'm fine with all that. And people who like decorative and have infinite amounts of money might go go in for that sort of thing. Yeah, actually, I mean, that's what it's um, for, isn't it? I do have sort of a fundamental problem with developing complicated hardware devices for interface styles that are completely at the whim of some other manufacturer. So for example, the Apple connector that's on the bottom of their phones and their iPads and their iPhones, I believe has a finite lifespan. I don't know what that is, but it has a finite lifespan and all those hardware products you buy based on the thing's ability to connect through that port are subject to the future decisions of a company in which you have no control whatsoever. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing. But, uh, but that applies to like a whole range of products that have that connector on it. And, you know, I have nothing against the connector per se. I haven't but, had a problem so, with the connector yet. But. No, it, well, yeah, I did. I had one fail and an iPad replaced because of it. But, uh, but, uh, that sucks. But it's okay. But I think it's rare. Uh, I expect it is really rare, actually. So um, anyway, getting to your question about gear. I guess all gear at some point... <laughs> reaches the point where i just don't feel like using it anymore um or most gear a lot of rack stuff my proteus i never was able to figure i mean i guess because i was coming from a synclavier in kurzweil i i could never really develop the kind of love for that proteus that made it ever having been worth buying 
<laughs> and, uh, but I know a lot of people used them and used them well and loved them dearly. And I'm not saying it's not a good product. It's well, it was, it was the game. next multi timbral songwriting arrangement tool after the Roland sort of D110 MT32, wasn't right. it? Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I was not a big fan of the 110 either. But, but, uh, oh, how could you say that? <laughs> it's true. But guys loved it and lived by it. And I know that and, right. and made great stuff with it. So I'm not, you know, it's just me. It's more me than it. It's not that? you. It's me. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. It's just the way it interfaces with my life. Yeah. Now, and I can always tell when it, I can always tell when something is on its way out of my rack because it becomes my tambourine. Like uh, literally. And there's been a number of synths that have fallen into this state where across the length of a production, I can never find any place to use it. And then somewhere along the line, I need a tambourine and I use that. Or a rim shot for a click. Yeah. <laughs> or something. something. I've been there. The good old Oliver, as we used to call it. <laughs> Oliver Tambo, that was for the uh, initial. I can't remember who he was. He was I think he was, um, he was a minister for, yeah. you, for one of the uh, African countries. I just remember Oliver Tambo being. And the shaker, the two-pack, of course, which I uh, <laughs> always used to mark up the chart. I'm sure I've told this story loads of times. Anyway, Dave, you must. I mean, you've got a room full of beautiful things there, but there must be some things that you bought... I'm thinking things that you bought specifically and thought, this is going to really change my life. It's going to be exactly what I need. And then you've got it and just realized you were just really off the mark. Maybe it doesn't happen so much these days because we're more careful. Certainly did in the old days. I think there was that kind of constant. I remember starting out thinking, oh, you know, those TIAC A3440 four tracks. If I had one of those. Oh, what? A cassette format, rack mount. No, this was a reel-to-reel, but I mean, obviously, the 144 oh, yeah. Studio was just like, oh, if I had one of those, and then you get that, and you think, uh, now I need one of those, now I need some outboard, and now I need another synth, and now I need... But I mean, now it's very different. And I think that everything I've bought is completely justified, and that's what I tell my wife every single time I bring something <laughs> into the house. <laughs> Do you make a point of being caught using it? Just, just even, yeah, if, even yeah. if you weren't leaving the door open, so that you're using it. <laughs> no, I mean there are occasions. In fact, yes, I think I'm coming down to Bath to pick up a synth, aren't I? Fairly soon. Oh, are you? Did I didn't get a reply? Are you interested in the prophecy then? I think that I may have to honour our agreement. My, we my, don't. I mean, you know, you don't have to. I was just checking. <laughs> I just. I remember that you said, "Oh, I'll have it if you don't want it." And uh, that time has come, just purely because I've got something. I, I want to fund something more useful. <laughs> but uh, it's yeah. got a box and manuals. Excellent. Maybe I could. Maybe the chat room would like to start the bidding, <laughs> so we can get the price up. No, it's all right. Well, uh, oh, okay. I'll well, for one of these patio heaters that Jean Michel Jars. Oh no, there's no cover on it. It is, actually looks a little bit like one of those, um, uh, one of the lottery system bull choosing machines, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that you should ha- be able to kind of switch a fan on the bottom, and it just maybe what it should do is actually just blow kind of five pound notes up in a sort of you know in a kind of cloud frenzy, because that would be the one that you should do with the big one, really, because that would be make absolute sense, because it would just be even more sort of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, ostentatious and kind of, you know, over the top, if you just had it blowing lots of money around in the beginning. In time, <laughs> there were gusts of wind that went up in time with the bottom end, because the woofer's in the bottom, so it just fires up kind of fivers and stuff in time with the the, uh, the bottom end of the track. I think that's that's probably a function that's missing. That would be pretty good. thing uh, is, when I looked at it, first of all, I was kind of, you know, super busy and sort of scanned it and went, 
$565, that's pretty reasonable, <laughs> even if you do have to climb up a ladder. Yeah, that ladder's got to be worth 100 about, bucks. <laughs> yeah, five minutes before we got on, I saw the K and thought, jeez, $565. Thousand dollars, yeah. amazing. I mean, it's got no. So, yeah, yeah, it's pure publicity, isn't it? I mean, there's no real kind of um, reason apart from it's a shot of Mike Jean-Michel Jarre up a ladder. He's taken a note out of uh, Richard Branson's book, hasn't he? Except he's gone for the safer approach rather than uh, uh, oh, what, was, what did he do? Uh, abseiling down the wall and breaking his ribs. He's just climbed up a ladder and waved at the top like he looks. He always reminds me. I and mean, uh, there's no disrespect meant by this. He reminds me a little bit of Dudley Moore. <laughs> Which makes me think he's really short, and I'm, I'm sure he's not. I mean, it's just, it, it's just that, that immediate... Um, uh, I'm, I'll, stop, I'll stop talking now. <laughs> I think I should probably stop. Yeah, you're already in enough trouble, aren't you? I don't think so. Not, not that I've noticed recently. Have I done something else? No, not last week. Oh, you have to be careful. You have to be careful. You were in trouble the week before. Yeah, well, you know, that's the maybe, way it goes sometimes. Maybe they should have I'll, a slide on the other side. Yeah. So when you go yeah. up the ladder and you check your email, you can like slide back down. Yeah. Oh, hold on. I think I've just had an iChat message. There we go. <laughs> or maybe right. you, you just get a pair of like binoculars and a really long stick with a kind of a fake finger on it that you can poke, and so you can. St- yeah. The, the accessorization for this thing is just astonishing, isn't it? I think. I, I think he's obviously thought about it long and hard, and the, the idea of an eleven-foot one makes perfect sense if you need all of those other accessories. As well, anyway, this um, is Jar Technologies. This is like a real company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's well, Jar dot com? It's the Aer- the Aero System One is what they're plugging, and this is seven nine nine euros. Uh, what's it got? It's got it's compatible. ten thousand watt stereo system. Oh yeah, yeah, but not the seven nine nine one. It's got that that one's a, a sixty watt woofer in the bottom right. end. It looks like the Harman Kardon kind of thing. Multiple input sources, MP3 players, computers, vinyl, blah, blah, blah. 240 degrees sound dispersion with, with built-in 3D enhancement filters. Two times 30-watt full-spectrum tweeters. And uh, a 60-watt subwoofer. Uh, what is it? Oh, hold on. It's 26 by 26 by a meter and eight, which is, I'm guessing, just above tabletop height. And you can order it now, right now, on jar.com if that's what you'd like. It's a bit like the Bang & Olufsen, isn't it? It's sort of form over function. I'm sure it sounds all right and everything, but uh, yeah, anyway, <laughs> that's really not the point. Uh, so where are we Absolutely. now? Uh, oh, of course, how could I forget? Uh, we now <laughs> need to look at... Uh, we've got the Machine Micro, which I think is uh, quite a big deal. Here it comes. Since its release in 2009, Native Instruments Groove Production Studio Machine has become an essential music-making tool for many professional producers and DJs. The fully integrated hardware-software music production system has changed the way people make music with its fast and intuitive workflow, bold sounds, and constant evolution. Now there's a new way to get a hold of Machine. Introducing Machine Micro. Machine Micro gives you the same responsive pads and build quality, the same powerful software, and the same 6GB sound library as Machine, but in a smaller, more compact format. Edit and slice your audio material with the ProGrade sampler. I'm going to um, switch to another video, because this one was actually quite impressive as well, in another way. It's Jeremy Ellis, who is a, a, 
a freak fingered finger drummer. <laughs> it must be said. A freak looking. Let's do it. Let's do it. Spangly curtains. Boy has a great sense of timing, it has to be said. Unless, of course, they're cutting the audio track every time they cut cameras. business uh some great quotes in the chat room uh that's great but i can't forgive that tie uh <laughs> that jacket was two quid according to angry Mos- in fact i bought one very similar for a fancy dress uh, party um myself but um, what do you think then i mean obviously this is big news uh recently the machine micro at uh, the machine itself you know we've talked about the the updates to the software uh it's a lot more expensive to get in now we've got this kind of entry-level hardware, which is, is taking essentially the 16 pads and a smaller display, but kind of essentially the same uh, interface style and the full software version uh, takes it down to, what, 399 US dollars. Uh, it's going to be... And it also links in with Machine 1.7, which is a new update, and it's also linked in with Complete 8. It could be... I've, I've actually requested review one because I think this actually looks really good. And, and the, the whole Jeremy Ellis thing makes me think... Maybe I can drum finger finger drum that well if I spend some time on it. I don't know. What do you think, Dave Spears? You're a drummer, or have been? He's awesome, isn't he? Love yeah. that. Really, really love that. And in fact, like I said, I've been hectic and whatnot. And it was I just kind of put that on, and it was in the background. And when he started doing those little triplets and stuff, I was like, oh, oh, and it attracted my attention. And I watched it, and I thought it was pretty damn good. Enough to make me think. Hmm. Maybe I need something like that. Mm. I, it's it's funny, isn't it? That's so clever, isn't it? The, the aspirational aspect of that. You know, it's like, hey, I, you know, maybe I could be that good. Maybe I could be as creative. I mean, it's just, it shows how well it works. The only thing he what is missing showed is, is, is a tiny little was... splash symbol to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what it did show is that it's obviously sensitive and fast and, you know, it's got a good response and stuff like that. Yeah. Particularly when it came to those little flams and little triplet parts, I was kind of, oh, oh. Anyway, yeah, love it. Oh, in the chat room, uh, CR78 says he got a Mint used full machine for 425. That's pretty good. I mean, I'm guessing you get the license for the software as well, I hope, but I didn't realise they were going so much. so cheap, but that looks pretty cool. I know, Gaz, are you a kind of, um, are you you a pads man? I am, yeah. I've got the Korg pad control, um, which I think is brilliant. It's really, really sensitive, but it doesn't have any aftertouch pressure on it which i think the machine does so i think that's pretty cool but it does have like a an xy pad so you can use that for sort of rolls and <laughs> and flams and that kind of thing um but the uh yeah i mean i was, I was 
I was a little sceptical about the machine at first until I actually used one and I thought it was actually a brilliant product. But what was actually quite good about it was the, the two LCD screens and just the amount of stuff that you could do. I, 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 you still couldn't use the machine entirely on its own. You still had to be looking at the monitor, which I was a little bit disappointed with. I thought that would have been good. And this one looks like with the, only the single screen. And I think it's lost the, the encoders as well. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah. I think so. So, I mean, it's got the push uh, select thing. It's got yeah. that kind of, you know, but it hasn't got the other stuff. Yeah. So it sort of then seems a slightly expensive, you know, even at its, its entry cost now, it's still quite expensive compared to maybe getting something like a pad control if you've already got something like Ableton Live, you know, as, as the environment that you're working within. Um, so I'm not quite sure at the moment. I like the full-blown machine, and I'm just wondering if this one is, you know, not... You know, I wonder if there's a way to upgrade. I mean, I'm sure there must be. I yeah. know, Rich, I know you, you, you've got some uh, NI stuff. I mean, what's your thought about this? Is it a good move? Something that makes you think, well, maybe I could do with one of those in my life. Brilliant product, I think. Brilliant product because of the price point and the availability of that kind of aspirational aspect, watching that amazing guy with the funny-looking jacket drumming on those pads and and having kids see that and wanting one for christmas like you're you're like getting down into that christmas budget thing now you know what i'm saying like it's it's more than a a nano control which is serious christmas kind of stocking stuff or stuff but uh i could see a 13 year old going to mommy and daddy and saying i want to do that and this thing costs this much and them going out and getting it for them Mm. and i think from that standpoint alone it's a brilliant product there's a couple of things. Uh, he, then, he was amazing. Yeah, he was. He is. Yeah. I, I, I looked on the uh, the Jeremy Ellis website because I was trying to figure out, you know, where's this guy come from? Because I've not really come across him before. And he's got loads. He, he's got a very specific technique. And it, he's got all these exercises for pad drumming. He's saying, you know, play a groove, swap hands, do all of those things and, you know, do these roles. And it, it's quite interesting. There's a whole lot of stuff on his uh, YouTube channel hmm. where you can see uh, how he does it. And he lays things out in a very specific way. So obviously he's got the... And I, I'm guessing he must be a kind of pretty okay drummer as well, because he's got the feel. There's no doubt about that. I mean, he's definitely got the groove. I mean, maybe he doesn't. You know, maybe he, that's why he's a finger I, drummer. I was going to say, I, I, the day I first saw a Lindrum, I knew there would grow a bunch of guys who could drum the heck out of their fingers like that. <laughs> I just knew it. And I knew I wasn't that guy, because I found buttons really awkward for drum triggering at first. And uh, still, still don't love doing it. But... um and it also speaks, one last thing, one last point, is it speaks to the popularity of the machine brand and how hard they're leaning on it as a company. Yeah. Especially yeah. the way they've, uh, their new complete uh, package is very much focused on integrating machine into the complete experience and making those things incomplete, incomplete, yes. <laughs> available to those people, available to those people who buy a machine. And uh, so they really, I think, see an inroads here, a market here, for controlling, you know, their stuff within, you know, I, I think they're doing a smart thing, and I think bringing the price down is good. Yeah, it would be interesting now to see how many, you know, to hear tunes which are done entirely within machine, you know, not. I think that's start, I think that's starting to happen in the yeah. hip hop fraternity, isn't it? I mean, right. I think that's kind of because it's being adopted as because obviously the MPC has finite expandability; you can't mm. and finite control. Whereas with the machine, you can take it a step further and start doing more onboard processing, albeit via your computer, obviously. Yeah. I mean, the thing I find is um, with the finger drumming, 
it always looks great, but then when you come to what you think, I'll use, I'll use pads. I'm sure I've said this before. I'll use pads on this. I'll try and get a groove together. And you spend about 20 minutes trying to sign the sounds you want to the pads you want. Yeah. And then if you think, oh, actually, I need another sound, it, it's, it just doesn't. Whereas you've got a whole keyboard full of sound, you go, right, here's an entire drum kit or two drum kits that I can then play. It's much easier to very, very quickly get a groove together. That's what I find Mm -hmm. without having to then assign, because if you've only got 16 pads, then you've only got 16 voices. And if they're not the ones you want, then you've got to stop and think and reassign and all that stuff. So it doesn't always work for me. Yeah, I was um, really impressed with David Hayes. So David Fingers Hayes, I think is he, um, uh, in that he's managed to develop a style which uh, uh, is like a real drummer. I mean, uh, this guy now is really good as well, but uh, David Hayes seems to be like a... He sounds like a kind of... Like a fusion drummer, you know, with all these kind of really fancy chops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, so I think it is an interesting thing. But, I mean, if you went to watch them live, it's going to be... Need brighter lights, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. uh, interestingly, uh, and just quickly there, uh, Flux302 uh, in the chat room says that he did his last album entirely on machine, which oh. is an interesting point. Obviously, we've got a bit of a, a machine expert in there. So I have to, maybe you can send us a link to that, uh, yeah. Flux, and we can, we can take a look. As regards live performances with that thing, I think if you had two to three cameras and a computer feed, to a video switcher and somebody operating it, it could be incredibly exciting to watch. Yeah. yeah. Rich, your um, audio's gone a bit Xylon. I don't know whether you're using a different USB interface. I don't know whether it... uh, No, it's all all the same. That's strange. Dave, can you speak just quickly to check that? Oh, really? Uh, I wonder how... Sorry, Dave. Yeah, I can hear Rich going on a bit. A bit clonky. I'm not... And I think everybody has. <laughs> so what I might do quickly is just um, do a uh, do an ad, and then I'll come back and get you all, because I think maybe if I hang up and then restart the call, it'll all be all right. Cool. I'll take this opportunity then to uh, have a word from our sponsors, uh, have a word from our sponsors, uh, who are Yamaha, and we have a new product here from, uh, from Yamaha to, to tell you about. C24 and W24 micro track recorders, Paul pocket track recorders. These are tiny little things. Uh, there's two versions. The W24 has ultra handy wireless remote control, which is really useful because obviously if you post this somewhere, you put it somewhere where you want to record a gig, like you might be up on a shelf somewhere, you don't really want to get up and start fiddling with buttons. You can use a remote controlled record. They've got 24-bit 96K recording quality with the highest quality. Uh, excellent battery life, up to 38 hours of PCM, high-capacity storage with 2-gig built-in memory and micro SD cards, XY-configured stereo microphone for superior music recording, peak limiter, quick start-up, only 4.5 seconds, scene memory for using user settings, onboard speaker for confidence listening so you can check back something very quickly. Uh, there's also practice aids of tuner and metronome and a Cubase AI5 music production Included the C24 is another one. Uh, this has two Omni mics, and again, it's that they, they bill it as the world's smallest 24-bit 96k pocket recorder. It's, like, it's kind of like a dictaphone, but really, really high quality. Uh, and again, you know, high battery life, USB 2 connectivity, uh, just just lots and lots. It weighs only two ounces, 57 grams. So do check out the Yamaha Pocket Track if you're in the market for a very small recorder. Check out the Pocket Tracks and see if they're going to work for you, because there's, they've got an awful lot to offer. Um, you can go to yamahasynth.com, yamahadownload.com, or if you get the chance, go to one of your Pulse stores in the UK, 
uh, this, which is a store within store. They should have them in stock. You can check out some of the recordings. Maybe if you go along with a memory st- uh, memory stick or something, that you can record something and take it home and check out what it sounds like. Got, it comes with this handy clip for clipping it all over the place. So uh, YamahaSynth.com, YamahaDownload.com. We thank them very much for their continued sponsorship of the show. Right, I'm just going to go back and get Rich and... Um, Howdy there. Hello, just waiting for the video to come back, and we're, we're back on track. You, you missed the dulcet tones of my Yamaha ad, I'm afraid, but I'm sure you can live. We're now looking at the pocket tracks um, that they're interested in, so, so we'll just wait for Dave to come back online there. So, guys, uh, what's next then? Um, uh, machine Micro... Oh, yeah, there's a Machine iOS app as well, which was interesting. Ah, yeah, this is good. Ah, we got to have... This is, this is fab stuff, so let's get... Um, this going. Original version of Heart Blondie's Heart of Glass, though. That's Once I Had a Love, also known as the Disco Song, as recorded by Blondie with producer Alan Betrock in 1975. The song, of course, is best known as Heart of Glass. So, Steve, we now have the multi-track tape for um, what was Blondie's first UK number one hit single, Heart of Glass. Yes, this is a 24-track recording. And 24-track in the late 70s, early 80s had pretty much reached the peak of perfection. The audio quality of both the machines, the tape, and the mixing consoles had all reached a really great peak. So this is a good example of a great late 70s recording. So this is as good as analogue would get, is it? This is as good as it got, a prime example of a good 24-track. And I think it's the first Blondie song that I hear a drum machine on, certainly. And that was unusual, to include a drum machine on a rock band. That in itself threw up some very interesting production techniques and consequences. So firstly, they would have laid down on one track of the multi-track, the CR78 drum machine, at the tempo that they required. And they would have laid that down for three or four minutes. It's quite difficult for a drummer to play against the mathematical timing of a drum machine. I won't play it all, um, although it is a fantastic... uh piece uh, i think is that steve levine i think it was steve levine being interviewed he's obviously got his hands on the multi-track um but it basically goes into the whole production of it and i didn't realize quite how much of a groundbreaking record it was because he goes on to say and this is where i'm a little bit unclear because obviously they triggered the uh i think it was an sh2000 for the 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 the, the sort of triggered sound out of the cr78 so they must have put that and the cr78 down at the same time and then done the drums but anyway that's beside the point great piece of kind of recording production history that i just i thought was absolutely awesome i know dave spears you worked with uh, debbie on debbie harry tour so i mean this may this is probably sort of close close to home for you did, did this recording make a uh, an impact on you at the time i do remember this well at the time when it all came out uh probably not i have to say it was all a bit kind of faux disco for me uh i loved parallel lines i really loved that hanging on a telephone for me was just a great song but in terms of years later when i ended up working with her i managed to persuade her to start a couple of shows with just that drum machine kicking off and it was this moment where you know it was a real goosebump moment where 
the drum machine would start and then the band would walk on stage after about a minute. And of course, it takes about 30 seconds for the audience to realise, dude, it's that track. And it was a kind of, the tour I did was a sort of best of, it was, the, it was to promote the, des, the best of Deborah Harry album. So this is going back to like early 90s. So it was just all the hits and more. I, and, and there's so many parts of this tour that I wonder whether actually happened because it was a bit of a raucous tour and great fun. And she was absolutely awesome to work with. Half the show was sequenced, which was obviously all my responsibility and programmed. And the other half was just pure rock and roll. So if ever there was a problem, we just kind of communicated via telepathy. And she knew straight away, no, let's just go straight into a track like Ripper to Shreds or something like that. No sequence lines. Uh, and the synth on this was a SH-1000. And I seem to remember having the master the multi-tracks in order to extract the CR-78 rhythm uh, to sample it so that we could use it live. Excellent. So yeah, a million stories, a million. I'm stories. sure there must be. I mean, but it's just really interesting about how, you know, it, and, and later on in that uh, recording, there is also some uh, brilliant. I didn't notice, but these these very, uh, long feedback delay guitars that kind of go da 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 da, da and they're really tight as well. I don't know whether they could have been synced from the same pulsing. I don't know, Rich, you might know about that. Did this? Uh, I'm guessing that perhaps. This may not have been on your radar, or was it a real New York thing? I don't know. I mean, I don't know how big it was in America compared to to the UK. I don't really know what happened on that side of the pond. Oh, it was huge. It was it was born here in New York. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was big, and Blondie was huge, and uh, I I enjoyed the video tremendously. I really did. It's right. I, I mean, the, 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 unfortunately, the pictures didn't go across when I was sending the video out. It's actually a radio program that somebody put some pictures to to kind of help illustrate. And there's some great stuff in there. Obviously, recorded uh, by and um, produced by Mike Chapman. Uh, it was released in uh, January 1979 and reached number one in both US and UK. What was interesting, I thought, was uh, immediately after the release, Heart of Glass, it was real controversial because of its disco sound. Blondie was kind of one of the new wave, big big proponents of new wave, and everyone was going, oh, man, you sold out. And we've all been in that sort of scenario before. I mean, I remember yeah. happening to me, you know, and it's just, uh, it's very, uh, very, very sweet. Uh, basically, she, she kind of didn't see it as that way. Uh, the band were accused of pandering to the mainstream, and there was also an issue of the expression pain in the arse, which uh, caused quite a, a major problem on the BBC, for certain. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but a great, another one of those great tracks. I, Gaz, is there just the history of the kind of recording side of that I, I found really interesting as well? Yeah, really, really interesting. I mean, um, you know, when they're talking about tape and sort of the, you know, the limitations that they're working within and, uh, you know, it, but then when you listen to the components, they still sound really good, don't they? The, you know, the kick sounded great and I was just under the, uh, the hats and snare as well. And I was just thinking, oh, that is a real nice sound. It's interesting what he says. Um, the reason they recorded the kick separately was so that they could EQ it to crazy kind of ridiculous amounts without bringing out any of the other elements of the kick. I'm not sure how true that is. I mean, I'm guessing maybe at the time they would have had drama gates and, and what have you, wouldn't they? I mean, there would have been decent enough gating and what have you to, to kind of do that on a, on a straight kick, or do you think there may be other reasons for it? I think the gating is... Uh, gating's only ever, well, semi-successful, really, in isolating the drum entirely. So I guess having the drum... Uh, without any spill on there at all, doesn't enable them to get the, the mm. best tone out of it. Um, uh, but yeah, very interesting, very very interesting uh, documentary. Yeah, loved it. And uh, there, 
there is actually a TV documentary that was done on her. It's quite a long. I seem to remember it like being an hour and a half. I mean, there's stuff on it that I didn't even know myself. But um, I'm pretty sure they interviewed um, Chapman, and he was talking through this whole process. Uh, Clem Burke not being a particularly straight and accurate drummer, <laughs> and yet on that demo, it wasn't as ragged as I'd kind of been led to believe. So, do you think? That, was... Do you think that those drums were played by somebody else, a session guy? Then? No, no, no. I think it was that you know one drum at a time kind of vibe. Because I mean, I, and I'm pretty sure that he says this in the on the TV thing that Clem's playing was all over the place. It just was not tight enough in particular as they'd used the CR 78 as the kind of, you know, the foundation of the track. Well, the one thing I did notice that even with just the four, the the four bass drum, as soon as you added the four bass drum to that 78, it really grooved and it, Hmm. which was kind of weird because it's obviously a machine. So actually I'd heard a story a while back about Sheik doing a similar thing with the drums. I don't know if Rich can clarify this with, uh, on good times or that, the drums were recorded in layers or something. Oh, the sort of disco, the early disco yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. Rich. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's oh, gone. He's oh dear. <laughs> sorry, offended. Uh, him. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. No, 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 no. I'm back. Well, I, I was, <laughs> sorry, I was sick. unmuting. Um, I, not on any of the multi tracks I've put up so far. Right, but okay. it's possible. Okay. And and certain things, you know, individual hits or something like that, but not. A song's worth of kick drum separated from a song's worth of snare and hi hat. Because I, I don't, I haven't come across any of that. I'd heard some very disparaging remarks about Tony Thompson's timing, but I mean, I always thought he was rock solid. So I mean, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think there was a there was a lot of um, doing you just reckon? the hi hats, wasn't there? Actually, I'll tell you what, for a disco record, there may I'm, have been there may have been cases where additional yeah. hi hats were added or replacing uh, something, but for the most part. It's a player's band. They grew up yeah. as players, and it was uh, the whole idea was to play it. And uh, uh, I don't, there's not if there are examples of it, there aren't a lot. And towards the end, I, and I'm not as I haven't been through the lighter albums as much, but uh, towards the end, there were drum machine songs yeah, yeah, and sure. stuff. So, so uh, and there may have been combinations there. I tell you what, I did see the other. Oh, is that Dave's holding up the CR78 there? <laughs> oh, bless you. All hail the start of drum machines. That's a beautiful thing. Does it work all right? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, this is, thought- uh, this is Underworlds, but I think this originally came from Depeche Mode. Uh, I think, I and it's got all sorts of tweaks on it. Simpty. Oh, has it got mods? Sim- yep, Simpty. What, what, yep. what happens when you put Simpty into it, then? Uh, hang on a minute. Bar sync in, bar sync out, clock out. Base decay, time and snare level. Wow. Oh, They're probably killing oh, Gaz now is holding don't... up a virtual CR78 on the iPad. Oh, wow! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I thought the Chamberlain was the first drum machine. Well, it... Oh, yeah. Well, it was. But that was kind of real. That was tape. Oh, God, don't get me started. Yeah, we watched the video. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. I lo- I think Dave makes some of the best videos there are. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I was. Seriously. I really, really, really enjoyed that. I, I have to say that was a kind of. You can hear it. Yeah. Good. Thank you. Yeah. No. Nice work. Though, Dave. You can hear your enthusiasm, your genuine enthusiasm for the product, and that's what's really great about it. Just it's that re- entire history. Can I just say that after we released that pack, I we got an email from the guy who used to own and commissioned the um. 
M1 remote, the MIDI remote. And he, he said that it was the last one out of the factory and he used it on uh, Ocean's 13 soundtracks, all sorts of stuff. And it was just like this moment where we were kind of going, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> superb, superb stuff. Uh, I was going to say, there was one other thing that I noticed that um, next time you hear Gloria Gaynor, I Will Survive, just focus on the hi-hat because it is the most consistently groovy and incredibly um, brilliantly played. You know, it's not wildly dynamic, but it's got enough groove and, and it's very, very tight. I noticed that the other day and I wonder whether they overdubbed that because it is just honestly ridiculous. I think it's, it's, it's other 16s or it's, 32s. It's ridiculously gr- tight though. I don't know who drummed on that, but it sounded bloody amazing. It could, is that just the pea soups all the way through? What? Or is it just in the, yeah, you know, eight open and close, yeah. It's a sixteenth, that- definitely. It's either sixteenth or thirty-two. Oh, okay. It's not, yeah. But it was very, very tight. Anyway, you're getting a lot of uh, compliments, Dave. They can see you on TV. You're going to be a presenter. Maybe me and Sh- maybe me and you could do a uh, do a show together. <laughs> somebody, yeah, yeah, definitely. Somebody put, uh, somebody reposted the Chamberlain video, and uh, I noticed that somebody in America put, "Is the narrator related to Paul McCartney?" <laughs> <laughs> Have you been working on your uh, your 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 slight Liverpudlian accent there? Then I don't know where that came from. I honestly don't know. I thought I was a bit more geezerish than that, but yeah, weird. Well, talking about you drums, must know the Beatles. Sorry, you what? You must. No, you must know the Beatles. The Beatles. Oh yes. <laughs> oh, well, while we're at it, I just think I'd like to throw a little bit of uh, uh, love to our other spot show sponsors, uh, who are MacroVideo.com, home of some of the finest video. Uh, tutorial stuff uh you know for all kinds of doors and all kinds of other stuff lots and lots i don't know how many then that how many tutorials they have now but it's absolutely bonkers let's see if we browse by audio you can see what kind of stuff they've got here they do downloads subscriptions this is going to work is it now oh, yeah there we go ableton live audio plugins cubase garage band isotope uh melodyne main stage midi native instruments they did they did a recent machine uh special which looked quite interesting sibelius sound booth Superior Drummer, Spectrosonics, all of those things. Now, uh, I want to tell you about, uh, they're doing us a deal. So if you come through us, you can save yourself 20% on any of the downloads. Go to sonicstate.com forward slash MPV and head over and just buy whatever you're into. And uh, you save 20%. So I just thought I'd let you know about that. And also say thank you once again to macprovideo.com. Remember, to save 25%, 20%, not 25 <laughs> go to sonicstate.com forward slash MPV. Uh, what's next? Every producer should have one. I thought this was kind of interesting. This is the Edge Sounds Drum Machines uh, sound library. Uh, it's DVD. It features 100, 170 classical drum machines, all sampled. I think it's in uh, Contact and Giga Studio. So I'm surprised not to see other formats there. But uh, I know that I personally, I, I think every producer, every kind of serious person who uses drum machines in anything should have something like this because there's always one or more of them that comes in. I'm sure they've got the CR78. I wonder if they've got the rhythms. There's always one or more of them that's in fashion at any time. And there's always a drum machine sound for every occasion, in my opinion. I know, what do you think? Have you got uh, any, any of you guys got a collection? Because I know, Rich, you have to use quite a lot of uh, real stuff. So you've got all superior drama, all that kind of thing. Do you have a, a large collection of actual drum machine samples that you come to, or do you tend to mix and match? In my, I got tons of samples of all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, battery already comes with a whole bunch of it. And I, I can go find it where I need it. But I found that this uh, 
collection of them all, you know, all the vintage drum machines on a bunch of DVDs to be very interesting. I wonder what I, I wonder why they need to be DVDs. I wonder if they've sampled patterns and stuff because I'm sure I've got. I can't remember what it was originally called. It was kind of like XL Drums or something on Akai CD-ROM. <laughs> Unless maybe they've done it at a high, much higher resolution. It's twelve. It's ninety-six K. It's they say it's but even still, even still, I'm not sure why you, why you need to fill three DVDs. But maybe it's that much content and it sounds that good. I wish they did it for other formats because I don't use either of those, and I might be tempted otherwise. Dave, have you got any of that big collection of drum machines? I mean, because we tend to make do a lot of the time with what comes with, you know, you get the 808 samples on here, on, on, you know, whatever. But you, it's, it's the sort of the raw material that's kind of handy to have because you can really do stuff with it then, can't you? Yeah, no, I've got a massive collection of old drum machine samples from the Ace Tone. I'm just looking at them here. The Ace Tone Rhythm Ace. Remember the Cheetah drum machines? They were mm. quite interesting. I did quite a lot of work mm-hmm. on some of those. Um, in fact, I've got loads of Cheetah prototype stuff kicking around somewhere in the lockup. Uh, right up to a load of Yamahas and Wurlitzer side. Oh, we've got a Wurlitzer sideband as well. That's quite cool. Uh, yeah, all of those. So, yeah, massive collection. The Mattel Synsonic. Ah, uh, yeah. Oops. Oh, yes, of course. That's definitely... We, we spoke about that a couple of weeks ago, I think, didn't we, Guess When you were here on your yeah. Todd. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, uh, what about you? I mean, do you, you, I mean, you're more of a kind of live, you t- record live drums generally. I mean, do you um, find there's a place for a lot of this? Oh, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I've got quite a reasonable collection. Um, again, battery is my starting point, but I am actually getting a little bit, I, fan- I fancy sort of expanding that. And um, battery, I think, works well for me in my workflow. So can I read contact into battery? I'm just thinking that. Um, I don't know. Which would make sense, wouldn't it? But yeah. I don't know. Hmm. um, yeah i need to look into that but that does look good doesn't it i mean that looks a fairly comprehensive one-stop solution for that's i mean a lifetime's worth of drum machines well it's it's it's, it's something that we know people aren't really making them anymore i suppose there are um sounds that Mm. come as part of drums you know like you've got the electron mono drum uh, machine drum Mm -hmm. you've got what other machines make you know I don't know how, how you get to this meta situation yeah, where you buy like a workstation that's got a set of drum sounds in it and they mm. processed it in a certain way and they become a sort of new generation of mm. drum sounds. So you need to have those as well. I don't quite know how that will work, but uh, how you keep up to date, whether or not you, you know, where, where should, when should you stop sampling drum <laughs> machines? <laughs> Mind you, I'm just using that funk box all the time now, which is uh, on the I- iPhone and the iPad, a uh, little app. Uh, and it's got like, um, I think it's seven classic drum machine samples. It's not a huge amount of samples, but it's just so lovely to use that uh, I'm finding it really, really great, really great fun. Highly recommend that one. Chat room, a couple of guys from Pop Will Eat Itself called, had a band called Bentley, Rith- Bentley Rhythm Aces. That's true. Um, and I seem to remember we went, da 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 And it was, uh, it was chop. It, yeah, Bentley Rhythm Ace became Korg. You're right. Oh, hold on. What's Dave got there? What are you holding up there, Dave? It's a Wurlitzer. Um, oh. It's a Wurlitzer sideband, but it's got the best rhythm name ever, I think, and it's just called Teen. Teen. <laughs> <laughs> Is it? Does it? So Latin Foxtrot Teen. Oh, I see. Yes, it's the. I suppose that would be the terms that the uh, you book a band on in the fifties, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Can I have one of those teen bands, please? Yes, please. <laughs> As, as, as the up, as the updated model got the teen one sort of sub, uh, updated to sort of middle age now. <laughs> it's funny, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drum, no, does it do drum and bass? It's just petulant. <laughs> <laughs> 
Un- uncommunicative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just surly rhythm. <laughs> that's a great that's surly rhythm. Now that sounds like a great name for a drum machine. Yeah. Surly rhythm ace. Yeah. That's what we're gonna make. Surly rhythm hoodie. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's a great one. That's from uh, edgesounds.com. Uh, check them out. I mean, I, I'm sure they, they could probably convert. I mean, in these days of uh, chicken sis and all of that, they could probably convert, or you can probably convert to a whole bunch of different formats if you should or so wish. Big job. Big job. Well, no, it should be auto- automatic. I mean, because most of these sounds aren't going to be treated after the fact. I mean, then they're, they're naked, aren't they? I mean, they're drum samples. So right. the, the drum yeah. machines are the drum machines. And you don't need like a whole bunch of additional processing. No, well, right. they often need a whole, a whole bunch of individual processing. <laughs> you to make don't? Them sound. Well, they do to make them sound good, but that's the sort of thing that you do yourself. My God, I've been doing it wrong all these years. <laughs> but the, the, I, the raw samples are the raw samples, is all yeah. I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I know, I'm just breaking your chop. <laughs> uh, so right what else have we got there ah oh, yes the Korg Microarranger I, I, I felt it, had, it was necessary to at least mention this because um, it's yet another of the micro uh, products uh, let me hold on see if I can get there There it is there it is in all its glory you can't really tell how big it is but uh, actually it's probably about um, no it's not it's probably about, about the size of a micro sampler or that sort of thing and it's quite an interesting idea and I didn't know whether or not anybody had ever used kind of a range of stuff because I mean obviously you know we're used to to, to using you know like just in the door so everything's linked to the computer so you know to get a few ideas down but I know that uh, some people were saying and certainly in the comments for the news item that we posted on Sonic that actually it could be really useful if they started to rack up some of their arranger stuff because then mm. people could use it just to fire stuff up and get ideas because Korg's uh, arranger engines are actually pretty pretty well thought of you know as are all the main three uh, compo- you know uh, manufacturers now they're very sophisticated things uh, it just looks fun and also Korg have yet done it you know there's something about even though tiny keys are completely pointless when it comes to playing mm-hmm. there's something about them that makes you want them and it's really hard to explain <laughs> I think I did a review of the uh, whatever the last micro was the micro oh I forget now but it, I really enjoyed that mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't remember what it was I, I, I tells just one <laughs> Dave Arranger keyboards. I know you did. You've you've done quite a lot of sort of bespoke <laughs> rhythms for that kind of thing. You know, for accompaniment. Do, do, uh, do, does this factor in anything that you would do or need? It's so funny because I didn't really know what this was when you sent through the link, and I opened it up, and and there was this shudder that went through me when I see arranger keyboards. Happy memories. It's quite scary. The amount of work involved <laughs> in doing styles was just like. It I'm was just, like pulling I'll, teeth with no anaesthetic. I'm going to give oh, you a man. bed of disco music. This is the disco uh, pattern demo. While you continue to talk, obviously, you don't need to, to feel no, inhibited no, no, by no. it. No, let's... Huh. I mean, it does sound a bit cheesy, but, I mean, it's an arranger keyboard, so it's kind of got a limited styles, but, I mean, I'm sure there's stuff that you could do with it. Oh, I'm just... Seriously, I'm just looking at... Uh, everything is valid, and, actually, I've been to some bars... Particularly in Italy, actually, where I was, where I worked a lot on these, where people were just so adept and so <laughs> really slick. And some of the programming from the Italian guys on this project that I worked was absolutely stunning. It was just the sheer amount of work that goes into creating the patterns, you know, so that everything transposes properly, so that the sevenths and the ninths and the elevenths, everything just works. Hold on, properly. saxophone break. Go. Haven't, we haven't got anything. Oh, yeah, man. 
I, I have to turn it off, otherwise it goes all Elvis, but I'll take that down again. <laughs> Maybe that would improve matters for you, Dave. So, um, Rich, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, being an accomplished, an accomplished accompanier yourself, you probably wouldn't have had any need for this, but, um, I mean... It must have its place, and you know, for really quickly getting stuff down. I mean, a lot of this, th- lot of, that's what a lot of people are using this stuff for, I guess. Well, like Dave, and possibly for different reasons, I cringe when I see something like this. <laughs> but having looking looking into it, spending some time with it, going to Korg's website and listening to the audio examples, the thing does sound pretty good. It seems like you could probably sequence some pretty cool stuff on it. I'm thinking they got somebody of Hotop's quality or, you know, or as close as they could get to Hotop uh, to do the, the sequences for it because they're pretty darn good. And, yeah, it's a, I guess it's a valid product for people, again, starting out who want in a hardware box sort of a workstation vibe that they can then knock a MIDI file into their computer, which I noticed it'll do. It creates uh, normal MIDI files, so you can actually import the results of this thing into your DAW and continue to work on it if you want. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's, that's kind of what it's for. I mean, the idea that you could just fling something into it quickly and, and use it as a, uh, I'll as bet a starting point. Quarters, I'll bet you three-quarters of the people who buy this thing never do that. But, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, Gaz? Stop fiddling with those headphones. <laughs> Sorry, it's gone off <laughs> on one side. Um, yeah. Um, interesting. I mean, it seems like... Uh, uh, I mean, I like built-in speakers, though. I know they are like the home keyboard thing, but they're so good when you've got built-in speakers. It's a standalone little box. Um, I don't know how it sounds. It probably sounds reasonable. Um, I wonder if it's got... It's probably got an ex- external input as well that you can run a bit of uh, that, that business into. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I think, though... Uh, I mean... I'm sorry to be so boring and just harp on about um, apps again on the on the iPhone. But just having recently just then got the iPad and started playing around with some arrangement stuff on the iPad, and just so much fun that I think something like this is possibly a little dated now. But um, you know, I just wonder whether you know getting like a keyboard and a MIDI connection and with an iPad. Would be better. Would it be a better option for people? Don't know. Yeah, we want that Akai uh, uh, synth station full size, uh, please, as yes, soon as possible. That Akai, would be nice. If you can arrange to have a shipment sent into Europe as fast as possible, because I think that is going to change things quite largely, especially if they get all the cool MIDI and audio stuff uh. kind of going on. I think that's going to be quite an interesting thing. Uh, well, so I, I thought I'd mention it because it's a micro. You know, and the cold micro stuff is generally very popular, and uh, we shall have to, you know, see. Uh, Go. No, sorry. There is an absolutely huge market for a range of keyboards, certainly in Europe. I know that for a fact. And some of the numbers that we were discussing all those years ago were just staggering. Do, so it'll do, be do very interesting lot, to see how they, I mean, they've kind of replaced the home organ thing, haven't they? And I'm guessing maybe churches as well. I don't know about that. I'm, I'm not so familiar. It's a bigger thing in, in the U.S., Maybe yeah, that. I mean, certainly around the time when I was doing stuff, you know, you remember that story about, you know, the the memory mode being rebadged as a sanctuary and then sold into churches. I think a fair amount of that has gone on in the sort of European market with a range of keyboards sold into churches. Right. Mm-hmm. Quite interesting. It's a whole nother kind of subculture of yeah. people who usually wear kind of patterned jumpers yeah. and things like that. Very As they ever did. 
Because, I mean, you, you see some of these, like, uh, Italian things, don't you? So that some of the gem keyboards with bigger ranger things and really complex, huge amounts of options and stuff. So I guess some people must be very adept at them. At, uh... I've got some stuff that was... In fact, I'm going to try and record it. I will. In fact, I'm a bit irritated I haven't got it in the room. And it's a general music keyboard, gem keyboard that we worked on. And this guy, I forget his name, Enzo Bocceri, was a fantastic programmer. And he just did this mega Pat Metheny track, and it's almost indistinguishable from the real thing. I'm going to record it, and I'll send it to Rich Hilton, because Rich Hilton will give it the full critique. <laughs> I, I tell you what I really like about the Arranger keyboards Love is that. when they do the Oriental and the uh, Middle Eastern uh, packs mm. for them, where you get this kind of the, the much more unusual instruments. So you're hearing things and arrangements done in ways that you know that you can't access because it's not sort of intrinsically part of your musical heritage. So you, they always have some really good demo people uh, at uh, Music Messer. I think there's a, there was like a Turkish and Arabic thing, and it just sounded absolutely great. And really, all that, all those kind of different drum types and all the sort of different rhythms and and the kind of strange microtonal and the weird, you know, I mm. just I really love that. That's where I think they really shine because it gives you a fast access to some of that stuff that you can't get very easily because you, I'm, frankly, I don't know what the hell I'm doing when it comes to that. Yeah, no well, good point. As, as, as a live performance instrument, it seems like it's descended from the cocktail organ kind of scenario yeah. of the 60s, where you'd have a three-manual organ with all kinds of effects and drum machine programs, you know, like some kind of ace tone sounding thing for a drum machine in it, and guys would do whole gigs like that. And I see low-paying gigs going to duos and trios who will go out with, like, one of these things, a guitarist and a vocalist. Yeah. And they'll do full sh- full on shows like that, and it's it's light, it's portable, it sounds pretty good. You can do all your sequencing right in the instrument. Your whole show can be in the darn thing. And you, you they've often, they've often got uh, live import uh, live inputs. You know, like a lot of these keyboards that we're seeing now, are, are, are allowing you to process vocals and apply effects and to the vocals, that kind of thing. It makes perfect sense. Definitely, that's how I see them being used. That's that's those that's their crowd, and there's plenty of those guys, weekend warriors who want to do small group gigs, and they get limited money, and they can't afford to bring like a whole lot of people and stuff. And yeah, absolutely. Well, you usually, usually see them on ferries, cross channel ferries in the UK. Mm-hmm. I don't know sure. whether you get the same kind of uh, phenomena in um, in the US when you're maybe a ferry across the lake or between across a wide river, perhaps where you. <laughs> Where you get, there's always some entertainment in the ferry bar, and it's always based around an arranger keyboard, a bloke who plays guitar and the arranger keyboard, and a female vocalist. That's usually how it works. <laughs> there you go. That's who it's for, and I guess. And uh, in the chat room, uh, Flux302 says, Only good arranger sounds are polka. Uh, that's true. They do very good polka as well, uh, and that's all he wants. Easy pleased, obviously. Gaz, have you ever done one of those? Have you ever done an arranger type gig? Yes, I have actually. I just remembered years ago on a QY20. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, they were brilliant. It was brilliant. I mean, that was my first real MIDI studio of. Uh, um, I was so excited to get it because I'd sort of the thing I'd had previously was my Acorn Music 500 system, um, but to, to actually have this really little mini thing that I could program in bed, or you know, was just incredible. And I mean, you know. Quite ahead of his time in many ways. I always thought I was going to use it for that, but actually I, I've, I've told the story where I bought the small MIDI keyboard and the QI10 and yeah. schlepped it around Europe on a promo tour. I didn't take it once out of the box. and It <sighs> never fitted on any of my luggage, luggage packages. I've just noticed that somebody says Tinley is in the room. I've just seen Mark Tinley. Yeah, he is. 
talking about buying. Did he buy buying Pro Tools for seven pounds fifty? Working that, on a Mac. That's what he says. Good grief! <laughs> that's bonkers. He's hiding. That's 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 got to be the deal of the century. I wonder, is it a four voice system? He's not. <laughs> I mean, that's the original what, sound tools. Yeah, I had one of those. I had a. Uh, I had a. I, in fact, well, I've probably told this story before because I started on sound tools, uh, or a mate of mine did on Atari, and we used to go to his place to do the edits. Then I got a little Mac and I ran it on that, and then I got Pro Tools Four, uh, a four vo- a four output system, uh, which um, worked nicely for a while. But then I so I swapped that for an MS twenty and an MS fifty and an SQ ten, which I think I got the better deal that yeah. time. Surely did. Yeah, and I've still got the MS twenty. I sold the MS fifty. I swapped the MS fifty for the the Jupiter six. You see, looking back there. And the SQ10, I can't remember what I did with that. Maybe I swapped the MS50 and the SQ10 for the Jupiter 6. Anyway, that was perhaps not such a good idea. But what the hell? And that's completely off topic. <laughs> uh, Micro Ranger, let's talk about some uh, features and highlights, shall we? Uh, compact composing, 61 key natural touch mini keyboard, velocity sensitive. I'm guessing no aftertouch. Built in stereo speaker system, four stereo effects processors with an 89 programs, 304 styles. Including each is complete musical environment for capturing your inspirations, intros, endings, fills, uh, 660 preset sound programs, 32 drum kits, 64 user drum kits, SD, SDHC card slot for data storage, importing styles, staring, sharing data with a computer or a door. Oh, mm. It's kind of fun. I did notice that Novation have just launched a new range of controller keyboards, haven't they? That was what I was trying to think. I knew there was something that we should have been oh, talking right? about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I the, can't remember what they were called now. Uh, look quite nice because they bring in some of the sort of the technology that they've been using in the launch pad into it. So the, the uh, there's like eight drum pads. Impulse. On there. The impulse. That's right. That's, that's right. One. Yeah. It's got um, it's got a little bit of auto map business going on, but with yeah a little bit of matrix. I don't think it's an eight by eight. It's, but it's, no, it's it's a yeah. It's a just two by four. It is. Um, but they have got like little uh, LED backlights that change color. So they have got. Um, you know, like a status kind of update on them, I, I guess, for Ableton Live specifically. Uh, looks quite nice, though. It looks... Um... There we go. I think I found it on the website. If, obviously, if you're listening to the yeah, audio yeah. only, uh, you will um, you will only... You won't be seeing these pictures. Another reason to check the live version out. We do archive it on uh, Ustream, if you want to see. I'm just trying to see where that's gone. Oh, it's not. They do say that those... Um... Backlit drum pads can warp arpeggios, roll beats, and launch clips in Ableton Live. And it's got uh, aftertouch. So oh, they're pressure sensitive, each of the pads. Oh, yeah, each of the pads. That's, that's it. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so it seems to be, I think, a bit of a class leader, really, for the feature set for, compared to the other we'll ones. Try and get, we'll, that's good. we'll try and get one in for review because uh, I've got that. There's another one out from M Audio. M Audio, my, I can't, Ultra or something. I forgot what it's called now. But uh, I think that's coming I, tomorrow. I see here that it says the keyboard has aftertouch, but it doesn't say that the pad. I think they do. I but they might. Pressure yeah. sensitive. Yeah. I think there was something I saw. Oh, along really? Those lines. Yeah. Okay, cool. I think uh, if I got it right. Yes, it, uh, I, I agree. It's nice to see aftertouch coming back into products because that's one thing that seems to have been missing on a number of products I've re- yeah. reviewed. Aftertouch. Recently. Yes, you're right. You know, because right. it's so. I mean, particularly now we've got these synth engines that are in fact uh, able to. To be so expressive and have so many parameters that you can modulate, it's a shame not to have aftertouch because it's such an important 
I think it's such an important control factor. Myself. Ah, the first Android girl band. <laughs> now, we, you, will, you do know that we do go on and on and on about um, iPad apps and what have you, and we've been waiting for other platforms to, to catch up, and now I feel that we have, so you need to, you need to check this out. For some reason, uh, my videos aren't playing in video, so you can't actually see that, but I'll describe it for you. <laughs> that was a band called Transformers Girl Band. I think they might be Vietnamese, actually. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, and what they've got is these kind of really quite nifty pieces of um, hardware that are mounts for various different Android devices and all of the stuff. Then there's, a, I think it's a three-piece band, and they're all playing instruments based on Android app uh, dev- uh, platform for a change. So uh, I think that's kind of... Just wanted to add a bit of balance to the show. Does anyone actually care uh, in any way? But I, I just felt after all these months and years of talking about applications on the iOS device, it was time to give the Android or an alternative platform some love. But uh, it doesn't seem to have made any great impression on anybody. Gaz? Well, as far as I'm aware, they still haven't sorted out the, the latency issue that there's not, uh, with Android. So don't know quite how these girls are, uh, you know, if whether they're using apps, which are sort of like maybe kind of not, you know, real-time performance, but maybe queuing things, and they're all synced up somehow. Well, if you if if the video had played, you'd have seen they were actually all playing it live. It was a oh. crummy recording, but okay. um, I don't know if anyone else saw. D- Dave, I did have a look at it earlier. It did nothing at all for me whatsoever, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I did look at it. But just it in the interest in the interests of balance, I just felt it was necessary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and it was very necessary. Yeah, this is how crap everything else is. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I quite like the gizmos in which the, the, all the phones yeah, were kind of housed. Yeah, that was brilliant, in. wasn't it? I'm going to see if I can load that up because actually... Yeah, this is a big issue. Um, Let me see if I can find it on the uh, the browser a second. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. It won't take I, more than about an hour. <laughs> since, I, since I got my <laughs> iPad a few days ago and I've been looking for mounting solutions so I could use it in the studio and uh, the iClip by IK Multimedia seems to be like the obvious choice but i can't find them anywhere half uh in the shops no one's stocking them so um there seems to be uh I, well i went into pmt uh, which is a big music store in bristol and they were saying that they didn't really want to stock ipad or i iphone related devices which i thought was really what yeah, was well they had, i don't know they had some actually they had the midi mobilizer um <laughs> But I think I just wonder whether um, there's just a lot of a lot of retailers had their fingers burnt, didn't they? With um, you know, there was like a kind of uh, iPod dock sort of boom a few years ago, and then um, I don't know, I, uh, maybe something to do with that. I'm not sure. I think that the problem is the margins is so low yeah. on a lot of these things that it's, there's just not. I did actually see somebody doing a video on YouTube with. Um, putting um, sticky, uh, Velcro on the back of an iPad and then you can then basically create anything and just Velcro it onto things. 
And that was a, an well, idea. I but, kind of want something a little bit more permanent than that. Yeah. As it cra- as you, that iPad there has got several cracks in the screen where it's fallen off the, uh, mm. you know, any flat surface. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yes, perhaps. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, we've got the Waldorf Lecter uh, in other news. Waldorf Lecter's out now. Uh, in case you're interested, I think we covered it when we were talking for the Nam stuff because I did think it sounded uh, sorry, Music Messer. I thought it sounded pretty good. Uh, see if I can get something playing there. Rewind. Ooh. I know, Dave, uh, you'll probably have to shut the door at this point. I quite like the vocoder. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, that, that's, uh, this is the uh, Lector one. It's got built. It's 199 euros. Actually, they've got a really good demo whereby you, what you could do is you, you request a, uh, a code and you get 100 hours over 100 days. So it's fully functioning. So if you only need one track to do a vocoder with, you can, you can sort of use it and, mm-hmm. and enjoy it and experience it fully and then perhaps uh, purchase it if you want to do another track with a vocoder, which I'm sure in your household might not be the case, Dave. I know that you're... Uh, your missus doesn't appreciate the vocoder at all. In fact, she's probably not going to enjoy this other piece that we've got as well, because uh, there's not really much to say more about the fact that, which is the uh, this amazing Vocaloid artist. Now, see if I can find this. This was I've got to play this, but unfortunately, I don't know why this isn't uh, working with uh, video. I'm going to what I might do is I might quit my switching program quickly, and then just uh, relaunch it and see if I can get the video to work because it's worth seeing. Let's see if I can play that. There we go. Enjoy this, everybody. When are you with us? <laughs> yeah, are you? Are you gonna be? Are you gonna be the girl who makes up it to you? When are you gone? Yeah, are you? No, are you gonna be? Are you gonna be the girl who goes along with you? If I get up, yeah, are you? No, are you gonna be? Are you gonna be? Got to wait for the chorus at least. <laughs> to apologize to those in the chat room who were uh were who were listening pre-show because i played that and now it's actually stuck in their heads forever um so i'm very very sorry about that but that's the the vocaloid three which is basically out sometime this month that was one of the artists that was uh... yes alvin's gone solo but this whole thing i mean it's a massive phenomenon vocaloid has been huge in japan there's all sorts of Records that made it to number one. In fact, uh, Vocaloids 1 and 2, featuring much higher-pitched robotic singers, became number one selling software on Amazon Japan. Wow. Can you believe that? And, and, and I was trying to figure out what it was. Wow. I mean, part of the fact that they're really into animated characters and they can make them all cutesy oh, and stuff, and it, it seems to kind of go down well in that particular culture. But the other thing was, which is quite interesting, uh, the reason it goes so big in Japan, apart from it's, it's uh, made and licensed by um, Yamaha, is Japanese requires 500 di- uh, diphones per pitch, whereas English requires 2,500. Japanese has fewer diphones because it has fewer ph- phonemes and most syllabic sounds are open syllables. So basically, the technology is more suited to a language like Japanese or, I guess, Korean or Vietnamese, one of the, those uh, uh, Asian languages, than the UK. Uh, which how, do, I how do you know? Because it says here on the Wikipedia article. Well, no, I understand that, but you're listening to this thing and you have no idea what the pronunciation is supposed to be. I mean, no, but I think there's much more consonant. There's much more consonants-based stuff in the in 
in English at least, which makes it harder to get right, apparently. I mean, this is what, I, what I'm reading. Because I wondered okay. why there was such a phenomena. And, uh, I mean, that, that, that what you were hearing there was, I think, somebody doing it phonetically to make it English rather than in Japanese, if I've got, my speak, if got, if I've got that right. Vocaloid 3, you'll be pleased to know, is out this month. <laughs> apparently and it's going to be huge because they've added a whole bunch of different things they've added uh, uh, a, a new voice they've added a, a whole ton of and this has been going on since Mesa 2000 and I think we've touched on it a couple of th- times the singing synthesizers and things but this one's supposed to be really big but I didn't realise that it was so completely massive I mean Rich you've been to Japan a few times have you noticed its presence there? <laughs> or is it I, I'm guessing not it might- so much but I don't spend that much time with the Japanese TV station on other than the one with Mount Fuji and the peaceful music um, <laughs> and anybody who's been to Japan knows which one that is. Uh, I I don't know how to evaluate this, <laughs> yeah. except that it doesn't sound any worse than some of the crap people produce with Auto Tune anyway. That was one thing that I I noticed as well. There's an, I've got I've got more of these lined up in case you're interested. Where if, it does if actually that's su- your yardstick, yeah, you know if that's where you want to set the bar, <laughs> then this thing doesn't suck. <laughs> it's bizarre though, isn't it? That actually you know they're sort of uh, the convergence, I think they're calling it. You know, the auto-tune is heading in that direction and Vocaloid is heading in the realistic ve- version. So at some point there will be this bit down the middle where you can't tell whether it's Vocaloid or auto-tune. I'm not sure whether that will prove anything about anything. When it, well, when it sounds more like the human voice than auto-tune does, that's when things start to get scary. Yeah, that would be When you suspect the real voice sounds more like auto-tune and the fake voice sounds more like you and me having a conversation. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> I thought it was better, better version than the original, wasn't it, really? Oh, you know what? Uh, Steve, Steve Evans, who is a uh, local producer who's uh, done a couple of review stuff for us in the past, he's actually currently working on a Proclaimers album, which brings it all, oh. ties it all nicely together. So, uh, I thought it was yeah. scary, really. <laughs> it was a song about stalking. But this is really weird, because I had a guy here this morning, a pretty slick sound artist called Scanner. And we had a mate in common, which was Peter Christofferson, who I know that Gaz knows or knew. Uh, unfortunately, he's dead. But um, it turns out that when Peter Christofferson was part of Coil, and this, this, this is quite a weird story, in that he was part of Coil and then he moved to Thailand and he started this thing called the Threshold House Choir and he used Vocaloid. So Vocaloid has come up today in conversation, having not raised its head for... God knows how long. I remember going to see the original demo and thinking, this has got quite a lot of potential. Yeah. And then didn't time and space do things with it? But I think they were talking, sort of- the, the idea was that you could use it for backing vocals. And perhaps for, uh, if you weren't a singer and you were a songwriter, you could use it to kind of, you know, just, just fudge a, a vocal demo. I think that was the kind of principle behind it initially, but obviously it was way short of, you know, it's just really strange, and the idea that somebody from Coil and Throbbing Gristle and all of that was using Vocaloid <laughs> in Thailand was kind of this moment where we looked at each other and went, hmm, this is quite bizarre. Quite strange. Yeah. Well, anyway, I just thought it was, uh, it was, it kind of shocked me. There's, there are entire sites like YouTube. I was trying to get some hold of some videos, but I'd had to log, I'd had to join, devoted to people uploading their Vocaloid songs. There's just tons and tons of it. It's a massive sort of... And you have mic- to join. Yeah, I, I've, I've... I think Google has that information yeah, forever. Yeah, I, I wasn't prepared to. I, <laughs> I cleared all my cookies out as soon as I'd been there. Obviously, I didn't want to be associated with it. 
But that does remind me, did anyone see the uh, two artificial intelligences that they pitched together at Cornell talking to each other? They just put one in front of another, and their whole reason for... The, the, the basis of their programming was to uh, not be seen as a robot. And they just end up bickering. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> You're a robot. No, I'm, a, I'm an octopus. It just, it got, you should see it. It's had loads of hits. It's a sort of viral thing. I'll see if I can find the link for it. It's absolutely brilliant. And that's kind of the level. It can these huge, massive, real-time communication bros just ended up bickering. Yeah, no, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yeah, it was just brilliant. Anyway, I think that kind of is bringing us near to the end of our, um, our, our time here. Gaz, unless you had anything to add to the uh, Vocaloid sort of uh, topic. No, I'll pass on that one. Okay. <laughs> but um, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. It's been, uh, gosh, blimey, we've had a good a bumper chat room. Thanks very much to everybody in there. And I see Tin Lee's lurking. I don't know if that is Mark. I guess it must be. No one else could buy a Pro Tools for £7.50, <laughs> I might add, and get away with it. I'm sure it must be Mark. Anyway, so thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I'll say goodbye to my two guests here who are on Skype. We've got... Uh, Rich Hilton, thanks very much for joining us. And on the left-hand side, we've got Dave Spears, G4 Software, who's, uh, I'm sure he's got massive screens full of the uh, enormous monitoring traffic and statistics going past from the new G4 Software website where you can see all sorts of great videos and uh, buy stuff and things from G4 Software. Yeah, yeah. God damn, we did it. Well, we kind of did it. Yeah, we did it. Well done. Thank you very much. And uh, I mustn't forget, because I always do when someone's in the studio with me, Gaz Williams, songsurgeon.co.uk, songwriter, producer, musician, that side of things. Thanks for joining us, Gaz. Thank you very much. And uh, finally, uh, we also want to say thank you to our show sponsors, uh, who are yamahasynth.com, yamahadownload.com. Do go and check out the Pocket Tracks. There you go. That's a quick look at them. Uh, Micro recorders with various different feature sets, the C24 and the W24. And also, we want to say thank you to Mac Pro Video for... uh, Also sponsoring the show, save 20%, head over there and download stuff... uh, if you go to sonicstate.com forward slash MPV before you go, then you'll get the 20% off coupon if you're that way inclined and want to find out a bit more about the stuff they got there. So anyway, that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, that was Sonic Talk number 233. I'm guessing it's a wrap. Oh, there was something I wanted to play out with because uh, there was a rather interesting email that came out. Um, <coughs> uh, PJ sent a brilliant jazz version of Heart of Glass, which I will play now. Let's see if I can... Here we go. And... Um, to which Dave Robertson replied, I would rather stick forks in my um, nether regions. To which Rich replied, let me know if you need any help with that fork. <laughs> because I, I think Rich, Dave Robertson was, uh, is not a jazz fan, shall we say. But I'll, play, I'll let it play us out because it's a lovely, lovely piece of, piece of work.